Genesis 41, I want to read the first eight verses. Genesis chapter 41. Studying the life of Joseph, of course. We're working our way through. We are at a pivotal point in the life of Joseph. There's already been some key landmark events that are, are, are huge factors on how, where he ends up and, uh, and, how he, uh, and uh, what he ends up being. But tonight, we're going to start, we'll probably take at least two weeks, maybe three, um, looking at this real pivotal point. Things are different from this point on. Nothing's the same. And uh, verse number one, Genesis 41, and it, shall come to, and it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. And behold, he stood by the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine, and fat-fleshed, and they fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored, uh, Ill and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind... Now, anybody know what a kind is? It's a cow. The ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. I just entitled it Pharaoh's Two Dreams. We're going to get into the dreams themselves in a little more detail in another message, maybe next week or so. Uh, but tonight we want to just kind of uh, get introduced to what's taking place here. So let's pray together. Father, I ask you to bless our study of Joseph's life, particularly this event right here is recorded in your word. Holy Spirit, you're the author. You, you moved upon the heart and mind of Moses to pen this down exactly as you would have it. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, you would teach us the purpose for which you recorded this event and the principles that are there for us to learn from. Help our faith to grow and our commitment to be stronger, our witness to be more effective. So I ask Holy Spirit, you would take my body, fill me with your Holy Spirit, fill me and uh, speak through me and teach us. And take my mind, Lord, guide my thoughts and my words to be what you would have said, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, we've already pointed out probably numerous times, we've noticed that dreams played a major role in Joseph's life. Of course, he had his own two dreams. Initially, way back in chapter 37, verse 5 through 11, we looked at, um, we looked at those. He dreams that uh, the sheaves bow down, his brothers and the star, moon and star, moon, sun and moon and stars, and whole families bowing down to him. And um, I think God was assuring, as we pointed out at the time, I think God was assuring Joseph that God really did have a plan and purpose for his life. 
And of course, God knowing what He was going to put Joseph through, that Joseph needed that assurance as he's going to be abandoned and forsaken and falsely accused. He needed that assurance that God, I guess I could put it this way, that God knew what He was doing and He could trust Him. And so God gave these two dreams to him there. And uh, there's no doubt the message of those dreams carried Joseph through those dark valleys that he went through. That God does have a plan. He has something in store. And then he ends up in prison, as we studied that and looked at that pre, uh, recently. And in chapter 40, he has these, this butler and the baker have a drink. And Joseph interprets for them what happens, and it happens exactly as he interpreted. And I think what God was doing through the dreams of the baker and the, um, I keep wanting to say uh, uh, butcher, the butler and the baker, I think what God was doing there, God was putting things in place. He was prepping the situation for Joseph to be able to step into the position he ultimately holds. And so it's all part, these dreams are playing roles. They each have a purpose, that God's doing something in revealing these dreams to these people that have a message, and it's all working towards what we start to study tonight. And of course, then we have Pharaoh's dreams. An interesting aside, and we also touched on this before, but every one of these dreams are double. Each one is twice. Joseph's two, the sheaves, the stars. Uh, the butler and the baker each had a dream, and then Joseph, or uh, Pharaoh, has two dreams. And so um, they play a major role. So now we want to start looking at Pharaoh's dreams. My first thought is tonight, so I'm going to jump right into it, my outline. My first point is the ability, I noticed the ability of Joseph to endure patiently. Now as we're going through here, if you notice, I'm focusing on Joseph, characteristics, attributes of Joseph, because that's what we want to learn from. And one thing I notice here in verse number one, the first part of verse number one, is Joseph's ability to endure patiently. Um, patience. Um, I think patience is a necessary virtue if we're going to grow spiritually. Uh, patience is a necessary virtue if we're going to serve God effectively. I know one thing, when I'm impatient, I am not growing spiritually. But when I learn to sit and be patient and wait on God, that's when my faith grows. I see what God can do. Um, I've said this often over the years. I never, I've never wanted in any of my ministries, and many of you no doubt will feel the same way, you feel the same way what I'm going to say, I never wanted at Mount Lake Independent Baptist Church what I could produce. All I've ever wanted is what God can do. want what God can produce. And that requires patience. Waiting on God. Let Him have His way. Let Him lead. I often said this, I've never, ever regretted waiting on God. Multiple times, I can go back in my life, many times look at, and I got ahead of God, I got impatient, I got aggressive maybe, and boy, I wished I'd have waited. Any, can I get a witness? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I wished I'd have waited a little bit. I wished I'd have waited on the Lord. Joseph had the ability to not just wait on God, not just be patient, but to patiently endure trials and difficulties and uh, uh, difficult things. Patience, I put this down, patience is the road to spiritual success. Patience is the road to victory. 
Uh, Patience is a manifestation of faith. I'm patiently waiting. I'm trusting God. I have faith in God. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be patient. I like this. Patience is when you're tempted to get mad, but you choose to trust God instead. Um, Patience, when you're tempted to get mad, but you choose to wait on God instead. Joseph was set in prison. Look at verse 1. This is where I'm getting all this from. Verse number 1 of of chapter 41. And it came to pass, and I think it's interesting that God injects this statement here. It's like he's he's deliberately highlighting the fact that Joseph was, uh, was in prison two full years after he interpreted the dreams for the butler and the baker. He'd been in for a period of time before that. But God says two full years. God points that out specifically. Two full years. Uh, long days. Would you agree with me? He, he interprets a tre- dream for the butler and the baker. The butler goes back to Pharaoh's ha- and, into Pharaoh's court, into, back to his office. Joseph says to him, if you remember, hey, listen, remember me to Pharaoh when you get there. Tell somebody, I'm here. I, I did nothing wrong. Uh, tell somebody. And so would you agree with me? Probably the next day, after, or three days later, the butler goes up there. Uh, the next day, do you think Joseph got up in the morning in that prison thinking, oh, I'm just waiting for somebody to show up. He'll, he'll tell Pharaoh, and somebody's going to show up, and I'll be out of here finally. And I can see him there doing his responsibilities that day and just looking down, I don't know what the prison was like, but looking down the hallway, just waiting for some official... Uh, a lawyer, somebody, come walking in there, and finally it's getting 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 5 o'clock, 8, 6 o'clock, 8 o'clock, sun setting, nobody's coming through, and he sits down on his bed uh, that night, and just his heart sunk a little bit, nobody showed up. Can anybody see that happening? Well, tomorrow, it's only been a day, good night, you know, I'll give him a little time. The next day, same thing, comes the end of the day and nothing. The third day goes by, sits down, End of the day, nothing. Maybe here's talk going on in the prison. Pharaoh's birthday, they had a man, they had a wingding of a party for Pharaoh. No word. Five days go by. Gets up in the morning. Maybe today, maybe today, maybe today. A week goes by. A month. Three months. Half a year. A year. Year and a half. Would you think at some point... You might get to the idea, this ain't going to happen. Nobody's coming in that door. I'm not getting out of here. Uh, you talk about long days, long months, two long years. It's interesting, the Bible here gives no description as to what's taking place in Joseph's life during that two years. It doesn't tell us anything. It's just after two full years. I think it's interesting, he puts the word full in there. I think emphasizing or maybe insinuating the fact that it seemed a long time for him. And it didn't fly by. Um, and so, there's no, we're not given any word about anything that happened in Joseph's life during this period of time. So that tells me these were probably very dull, nothing happening, just the same Every day, routine, every day, monotonous. Get up and doing the same thing over and over and over. And the sinking feeling in his heart and gut that's just there and kind of settles in. 
Two full years, two full years, all the Bible says. I think Joseph understood what it was like to feel alone. I think he understood what it was like to feel like you're forgotten. I'm alone. I'm forgotten. My brothers never did come back to get me and get me out of here. They sold me here, and they're done. The fact of the matter is, at, and, and I don't know, the Bible doesn't say he felt this way. I'm assuming it. I'm speculating here a little bit. But if he did feel alone, if he did feel forgotten, and would you agree with me? I don't see how he wouldn't feel that way. He's a human being of all things. Good night. But here's the thing. If he did feel alone, and I'm pretty confident he did, if he did feel forgotten, I'm pretty confident he did, neither of those things were true. He wasn't alone. And he wasn't forgotten. Over and over, the Bible has said, we've looked at it numerous times, the Bible said, and the Lord was with him, and the Lord was with him, and the Lord was with him. Um, God had not abandoned Joseph. God had not abandoned him. Do you ever feel like God abandoned you? Anybody ever? Don't, now, you don't have to respond to this, but I'm probably more, more, more common than what we would care to admit, but sometimes we feel like God has abandoned us. David did through the Psalms. You read them, Lord, where are you? I, I, I assume Joseph felt forgotten, maybe abandoned by God, but I think in his head he knew he wasn't. Or, uh, let me take that back. Let me take it back. I think in his head it looked like he was abandoned, but I think in his heart he knew he wasn't. I think he was aware of the fact that God was with him. Uh, I, uh, God had not abandoned uh, Joseph, and I believe he knew that. God had not forgotten Joseph. I think he knew that. Here's the statement I was trying to make. It is one thing to know something to be true in my head, but it's another thing to experience that in my heart. Is that, am I making any sense? Anybody with me? Everybody out there? Um, it's one thing to know in my head, Jesus said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But then I'm in a situation where I feel like I've been abandoned. And the difference is, is I've got to not just have that fact, that biblical truth in my head, I've got to, by faith, get it in my heart so that I can patiently endure. You see where I'm trying to go with this? Joseph could patiently endure these two years because he not only knew in his head it was true, he felt this way, but he knew in his head that God had not abandoned him, he wasn't forgotten, he wasn't alone, but he got it down in his heart. And he was able to every day live by faith that what God said is so. That dream he gave me, that one day, I'm going to hold on to that. Um, Joseph understood how it was to feel this way, but I believe his faith carried him through. I like this. God does not forget His people. We looked at that last week in Jeremiah, Isaiah. God does not forget His people, but God does forget our sins. I don't know about you, but I'm glad for that. How many people here say, Preacher, I've got some sins in the past I wish I could forget? Yeah. God doesn't forget His people. He does forget their sins, but He does not forget His people.
And another thing I wanted to touch on here, Joseph, two full years in prison. Two full years. Uh, Joseph was not a failure. Could you see maybe sitting in that prison and get thinking, I failed somewhere along the line. I failed. How did I end up like this? How did I end up in a prison in Egypt of all places, forgotten by everybody? It wasn't failure that put Joseph there. I think one of Satan's most effective tactics is to try to convince us we're a failure. Satan, will, he'll, he'll bring everything up that we've ever done wrong. He'll bring every area up we've ever come short. And he'll remind us of that and he'll pour that all over us. And he will absolutely can try to convince us we are failures. And I tell you, the only failure is when we quit getting back up again. I love Proverbs 24, 16, I think it is. A just man falleth seven times, and what? Riseth up again. Gets up again, gets up again. The only time there's failure is when we fail to get up again. We fail to, we, we quit, we give up. That's when failure is. Failure isn't failure, failure is quitting. I, like, I have a preacher friend of mine, uh, uh, William Tyson. I, he preached down in, I was in, Dominican years ago, he was preaching, we were preaching together, and he made this statement. He says, quitters need to quit quitting. <laughs> I said, amen to that. So Joseph wasn't in prison. He wasn't in a failure. And I got looking back over his life and got thinking, you know, Jacob sent Joseph out as a young teen boy to find his brothers. Guess what? He found them. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. It took some effort, took a little bit of uh, work there, but he found his brothers. Uh, then he's a servant to Potiphar, and he's given, obviously given some responsibilities, and he, was, he did his responsibilities. He was very successful under, the, un, under, under the, uh, his master Potiphar, and he worked his way up until, man, he's on top of, of everything. He's in charge of everything. That was not failure. Um, he was uh, then in prison, he's falsely accused, he ends up in prison, he's sitting in prison, and uh, there he's serving the butler and baker, just exact, uh, or in, uh, in the prison he's serving, he's doing, and man, he ends up in charge of the whole prison as a prisoner. That's not failure. And then, pot, then um, uh, the baker and uh, the, not the butcher, the butler and the baker, these guys have this dream. He interprets them, and the interpretation comes out perfectly. Joseph was anything but a failure. And what, guess what I'm trying to say is this. Sometimes we can be very successful in our Christian life, and yet we'll go through very lonely times. We'll go through very difficult times. Success in the Christian life, being a good, strong Christian, is no guarantee and no shield against difficulties against misunderstandings and injustices. It's part of our development. Joseph was not a failure. He was God's student being trained and prepared for great service. And so God puts us through. Don't let Satan convince you. Don't believe Satan's lie that you and I are a failure because maybe circumstances aren't what we anticipated, situation, the results aren't what we anticipated. That is not a sign of failure. Joseph was not a failure. He was a student of God being trained, prepared. 
to serve Him. For two years, it was just Joseph and God. Two years, just get up in the morning, he's got God. That's it. Now, next morning, get up, it's just God. That's all he has all day long. Nobody's coming through the door to get him for two years. If I cannot handle being alone with God, it's unlikely I will be able to handle being great for God or being used of God or being strong for the Lord. Being a strong Christian requires the ability to be alone with God. Sometimes we go through lonely valleys. Valleys. God teaches us and God helps us. Seemed like nothing was happening for two full years. Get up in the morning. That next morning, I just can picture him in my mind's eye. I see, uh, see Joseph getting out of the bed, all in, excited, anticipating. A day ticks by and nobody comes, nobody comes, nobody comes. The next day ticks by, nobody shows up, nobody shows up. Two full years. And he may have thought, God's not doing nothing. Nothing's happening in my life, nothing's going on. Listen, there was a heap of stuff going on. God was working even though he didn't see it. God was working in his life. God was working in circumstances and situations, even though for two years Joseph had no idea. God is not inactive. Be patient. Keep trusting God. Endure those times when it seems like my prayers are not being answered. It seems like God isn't working. It seems like God has become inactive. You just stay, be patient. You keep trusting God. You stay faithful. God is working. God is active. I know a lot of us are praying for unsaved folk. How many people here, you have someone in your life, you're praying that they get saved? Anybody at all? Sure. How many people have been praying a long time for that person? Sure. I'm here to say, he says, how many people ever thought this? I don't even think God's even working in their heart and life. Anybody ever think that? I'm here to tell you, God can be doing stuff that you and I have no idea of. God can be working in their heart and mind in ways we don't even realize. <laughs> I will never, on my dying day, I will remember the Friday after I got saved. I got saved a Monday night. Dad was out all week long. Friday he came home. And I was home when he showed up. He said, what in the world are you doing home? I was never home on a Friday night. And I said, Dad, I can still see it. We had a split-level house we were in. And uh, I was down where his office was. His desk. He came in. I'm standing there. He said, what are you doing? I said, I just stayed home. He said, what are you doing home? I can still see his face. I said, Dad, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior this week. I wish I had a photograph of his face. I mean, just instant glow. You never know. God was working in my heart that whole time. For five months, God had been convicting, working. I've been reading my Bible. Daddy knew nothing about it. And out of the blue, he walks in one day and here his son is saved. What I'm trying to say is you don't give up trusting God. Don't give up praying. Don't give up witnessing. You and I have no idea what God is doing. How God is working. So Joseph, two full years, he's enduring very patiently. He has no idea. Now we know how it plays out, right? We're, we're cheating. We know how it ends. He doesn't. For all he knew, it was going to be 20 years or more. But he just stayed faithful. 
He just stayed available to God. For when that day came, for when that moment came, he was right with... Uh, aren't you glad he didn't have to quick get right with God before he could interpret that dream? He stayed close to the Lord. Stay close to the Lord. Where they come and say, hey, we heard you interpret dreams. Good night. I'm carnal. I'm away from God. I couldn't interpret a dream. Uh, hold on. Give me, give me a little bit. I got to go get right with God. None of that. None of that. So he endured faithfully. He endured patiently uh, through these years. My second thought is this. Again, verse number one. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Joseph, or that Pharaoh, dreamed. All right, all of a sudden, uh, Joseph's in prison. He goes to bed that night, just another night. Nothing different than, what's 2 times 365? 700 and something. No different, he went to bed that night, no no different than the 700 and what? Some of y'all figured it out. What is it? 730 nights before, no different, goes to bed. But up in the Egyptian White House, Pharaoh goes to bed. And he dreams two dreams that night. Joseph knows nothing about it. Um, Their things are about to change abruptly. The abrupt change in Joseph's position. Come over to verse number 14. Now, we're going to look at this later on. We're going to jump ahead here. But look at verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. This is in the morning. Uh, Verse number 1 is that evening. Verse number 14 is the next day. This is less than 24 hours from when Joseph went to bed that one night, that night, Pharaoh dreams, Next morning, a few things, events take place. And probably in the afternoon, somebody comes down. Look what it says. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment. We're going to talk about that at some point. And came in unto Pharaoh. So lesson for 14 years, Joseph has faced mistreatment, He's faced trials. He's faced injustice. His heart has been broken. He's been disappointed. And in one night, Joseph has a dream. Unknown to, or or Pharaoh has a dream. Unknown to Joseph. The next day, sometime in the day, probably the afternoon, because he brought the magicians, all those guys in. We'll look at that here in a bit. They go through that old rigmarole. And finally, Butler says, oh, wait a minute, Joseph. And they get Joseph, verse 14, they get Joseph hastily. They clean him up uh, real quick. They get him up there. Now get this. This is the point I'm trying to make, and this fired me up. In less than one hour, in less than one hour, Joseph goes from being a forgotten prisoner in an Egyptian prison to being number two in authority of the entire nation of Egypt. In one hour's time, good night. I'm telling you, when God acts, sometimes God acts very slowly. How many people notice that? Sometimes God moves so slowly. How many people ever thought this? Boy, I wish God hurry up. Anybody? Come on now. Oh, I was visiting uh, uh, Diane or Denise 
had surgery today. I was up in Morgantown this morning, prayed with her. While we were waiting, I was sitting out with Glenn. We were talking. He made this statement. He says, you know, if the Lord come back it wouldn't, right now, it wouldn't be too soon for me. I said, I'm with you, brother. Anybody here ever think, Lord, hurry up and come on back. Sometimes it seems like God works so slow. But then when God does, sometimes, boom, it happens like that. Right or wrong. I mean, everything changed in one hour's time. Next day, within one hour, he goes from a forgotten prisoner to the second most powerful man in Egypt, which makes him one of the most powerful people in the world, politically speaking. Look at verse 37. This is after he interprets his dreams and he gives some advice. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only one in the throne, uh, only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from off his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand. That is profoundly significant. Put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen. He has prison garbs on and they're putting the most fancy expensive suits and clothing found in all of Egypt. Arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. In one hour's time. God often works in slow motion. However, when the time is right, God works pretty rapidly. Unexpected. He got up that, I like to picture this event happening in my mind. But I can see Joseph getting up that morning. Uh, 730 nights since uh, the butler's gone back up to his position. 730 nights, going to bed, another disappointing day. Next morning he gets up, pulls his socks and shoes on, brushes his teeth with an Egyptian electric brush, toothbrush. Washes his face, cleans up a little bit, gets ready to go do his stuff. He's doing his morning routine, had breakfast, helping around there the prison. He's got responsibilities. He's doing his stuff. Just another day, not expecting. Anticipating being remembered has long died, a long time ago. He does not expect to be remembered. He does not expect to get out of here. Unexpected, does not see anything different in his world. Then he hears a door rattle. And he looks up and hears an Egyptian official he has maybe not seen since he was Potiphar's assistant, Potiphar's guy. And he thinks, huh, I wonder what they're doing. He comes down to his cell and says, Joseph, Pharaoh wants to see you. Whoa. Unexpected, unanticipated. Pharaoh wants to see you. 
Proverbs 27.1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. How many people are familiar with that verse? Sure. You know how we usually take that verse? Well, you better get right with God. Something bad might happen tomorrow. Right? That's what preachers say. You better get right tonight because you're going to be dead tomorrow. And that's true. Right? But that's not all that verse is saying. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not. What a day. You know, might be that prayer you've been praying for a long time might come true. God might answer it tomorrow. That blessing that you've been waiting on might come through tomorrow. Uh, don't boast about tomorrow. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'll get right with God someday. You ought not say that. You might be dead before someday shows up. However, don't say this. Oh, that prayer will never get answered. Don't say that. You don't know. It might get answered tomorrow. That need will never be met. That soul, that guy will never get saved. She'll never get saved. Don't say that. They might get saved tomorrow. The abrupt change in Joseph's position for all this time. And all through Scripture, this has caught my attention over the years. All through Scripture, you'll find a little statement like this. And there came a day. And there came a day. They're going through their life. And then there came a day. Everything changed. Joseph is out in the wilderness taking care of his father-in-law's sheep, forgotten by Egypt, escaped out there for 40 years. Then he sees a bush burning. There came a day, and his life was never the same. And you go all through Scripture, all through Scripture, how it may be a long time waiting, and then all of a sudden, God acts, God acts. We've been waiting for the Lord's return for 2,000 years, the church has. And there's going to come a day and nothing will be the same, amen or not. The abrupt change in Joseph's position. Uh, uh, and then last of all, my last thought here, and I get this from the last part of verse 1 down through verse 8, and we're going to look at the, the dreams in detail a little bit later. And that is the abnormal dreams of Pharaoh. Everybody dreams. We talked about that before. How many people had a dream last night and you remember it? Anybody? Couple, yeah. We dream all the time. Most, many people don't ever remember them. Some people remember them all. Joseph had a dream. Look at the last part there. It says, uh, And behold, uh, and, and, that, and uh, after two full years, that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by a river. This is his dream now. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat-fleshed, and they fed in the meadow. Verse 3, And behold, seven other kine, they come up, they're skinny and ugly, and they uh, are by the river. Verse 4, The ill-favored, lean-fleshed kine ate up the seven favored fat kine. So he awoke. We had that dream. Ooh, what in the world? So he finally dozes off, falls back to sleep. Verse 5, and he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up, stalking upon one stalk, rank and good. I mean, they're full, big ears of corn. Behold, verse 6, seven thin ears, blasted, uh, sprung up. Seven, the, the, the seven thin ears, verse 7, devoured the seven rank and full. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Now, I read down through there. Did you notice one word that's repeated over and over and over and over through those uh, dreams that are recorded? Anybody notice a word that's reported, recorded there? 
Behold, 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 behold. I don't think God puts words in just to fill pages. When we were in junior high, you'd have to write a paper. You'd write words over and over and over just because you needed 700-word paper. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God doesn't do that. If that word behold is in there seven, eight or six times, I think, there's a reason for that. The word behold means give earnest attention to. It means to attract someone's earnest attention. And I think what God is telling us by repeating that word behold there is that these dreams were not just ordinary dreams like any other he's ever had before. These caught his attention. These stood out. These were unique. They weren't your everyday, run-of-the-mill, weird dreams. And notice in verse number 8, it says, And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. Something about these bothered him. In his spirit. Um, uh, Troubled there means disturbed or agitated. He could not get these dreams off his mind. He, he keeps rehearsing them over and over and over in his mind as he goes through the morning. What in the world? This isn't like any other dream I had. There's something about these dreams. There's something unique about these. And so he calls in his wise men. And notice it says there, uh, verse 8, it says, It came to pass the morning, his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for all the magicians. Now the magicians were uh, pagan occultists. This was the occult in every sense of the word. These people would contact the dead. These people would try and read the stars. They would read lines in your hand. They're everything associated with the cult. That's what these magicians were. And then it says he called in, notice he says there the magicians, called all the magicians of Egypt, all of them, all across Egypt, And all the wise men thereof, now no doubt they were congregated there in the capital, so they had access. They were his counselors. All the wise men thereof. The wise men were the most highly educated men in the country. So he's got these occultic leaders who supposedly can contact the dead, can interpret spiritual things. And then he's got all these highly educated people. He calls them in and says, here's what I dreamed. It's bugging me. I can't get it off. There's something about these dreams. I need you guys to tell me. What do these dreams mean? And note it says none could interpret. The word interpret means to shed the light on or open the door on it. They, they couldn't interpret it. These were the men with all the answers. And they had no answer for, Joseph, for Pharaoh's dreams. I was reading about some Jewish commentators, ancient Jewish commentators, and what they said about these wise men and these magicians. And several of the old, I mean, this is hundreds of years ago, Jewish commentators said that they believed that the wise men actually offered interpretations to Pharaoh, and he rejected them because he knew that wasn't what the dream was. Um, One suggested that the, uh, the, uh, uh, the... Magicians and the wise men suggested that these are two separate messages. And they said that Pharaoh said, no, I know they're one. They're not two. He rejected that. Uh, Others have said that maybe they figured out what this dream was and they were afraid to say it to Pharaoh because it was negative. There's a famine and they were afraid, man, I'll cut my head off. And so they they refused to do it. 
Um, hard to say, but I notice what the Bible says. And it says, there was none that could interpret them. So regardless of what these Jewish guys said, I think they had no idea what these dreams were. They didn't know. They didn't know. God had one man that could do what needed to be done. Just one man. The best that the world had to offer. The most, quote unquote, spiritual the world had to offer. The most intelligent that the world had to offer. They could not do what God needed done. There was one person on the planet that could do what God needed done. There was one, God had one man that he had prepared to do this very specific job. Interpret these dreams. One man. You know, there are some things that only you can do for God. There are some things that God has prepared you and only you to do. It may be that one person, you're the only person in the world that can connect with them and lead them to Christ. You may be the only one. God may have prepared you for that very specific ministry. Maybe it's teaching a Sunday school class, running a bus, whatever it may be. And God has been working in your life all these years for whatever that ministry may be or whatever that situation you're in to be a witness to. Uh, uh, nobody else in the world could do what God needs done other than you. I believe that's true. There are people that I could never win to Christ, but there are individuals in this church. You have what God needs to win that person to Christ. Some people say, well, soul winning's the preacher's job. Yeah, I agree with that, but it's not only the preacher's job. God has prepared all of us. God has a, a, a role for all of us. And Joseph was the only one that could interpret this dream. I thought about, I'll end with this, I thought about a couple people in our church that were just so unique for the position, and we have now. But I got thinking about Jim Kent. Anybody remember Jim Kent? Carol's husband's with the Lord now. First husband. Old Jim got saved. Jerry Vogel and Dave Heinball led Jim Kent to the Lord. Out there above, Kit, above uh, not Kitzmiller. Uh, yeah, Kitzmiller. Old Jim was drunk, really. And God saved him and cleaned him up. How many people remember Jim? What a blessing. And he would come by every Monday and every Thursday and then he'd check by Saturday and he'd get all the trash, get all the trash out of here, haul it off. Carol called him Jesus Trash Man. And I'm telling you, he was the happiest guy in the world. And if you'd have asked him, he might have said something like, I, I, could, I can hear him saying something like this. And by the way, he didn't say much, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't say much. He was one of the happiest men I ever met. And you could have asked him, and I believe he'd have said something like this, this is what God made me for, to do this for Jesus. I tell you, I don't care what you're doing. If that's your attitude, that's fulfilling. That's purpose. That's meaning in life. Um, I just thought, uh, God, he was exactly what God needed for that very simple job. And he did it excellent. I got thinking about Shirley and Doreen. What a blessing they were. I'm telling you, 
uh, they're over here Monday mornings, 4 o'clock, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. I wake up, use the restroom, look over, and the lights are on. They're over here scrubbing down, just having a time. And they absolutely loved cleaning this church. And Thursday mornings, 4 o'clock in the morning, they're over here cleaning. And I get over, they'd still be here sometimes when I showed up. A lot of times they're gone before I got here. But um, uh, they'd still be here when I showed up. And they'd say, oh, preacher, let us show you what we did. Oh, we cleaned these well. And they'd take me everywhere, show them everything. You know what? I could hear them saying, this is what God prepared us to do for him. They were God's cleaning ladies. Isn't that something? You say, oh, it's just cleaning a church. I tell you what, if that's what God made you to do, then that's not just anything. That's a tremendous thing. Joseph was the only one that could do what God prepared him to do, and you and I are the only ones that can do what God has prepared us to do. So, let's do it. Amen? Father, I pray you take these thoughts and challenge us and help us. Stay faithful. Just stay patient. Just plug on. Help us to know, Lord, in any day... You could come back any day. You could change, turn things around. Help us just to trust you for that. And then, Lord, help us to be about what you've created us to do. And help us to be about what you've, you're working and preparing us for. And help us to do it with all our heart. And give you the glory for all of it. With our heads bowed, eyes closed. I wonder how many would say, Preacher, I need a little patience. I need God to help me be patient through this, whatever you might be going through. Any like that? Uplifted hand. God bless you. My hand's raised. I wonder if there's some say, Lord, uh, you say, Pastor, uh, pray for me that I don't lose hope. I can always believe maybe God can turn things in a moment. Maybe tomorrow. Any like that, preacher, I don't want to give up praying. I don't want to give up hope and soul saved. God doing a work, sending revival. Amen. And I wonder if there's some say, Preacher, I know I have a place to serve God. I know He's given me a reason for my life, and I want to fulfill that. And I want to be in that place where God wants me to be. Any like that? Preacher, I want God to use me for what he's made me for. Sure, of course we feel that way. Father, bless our invitation now, I ask in Jesus' name. 